Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 151st edition of the Frank and Stan chat. And those of you watching on the video, uh, you'll notice that at the bottom of the screen, we have a friend of ours, Eddie Chesterhofsky. And I've been practicing that all day, Eddie, because I know you primarily as Battery Eddie. So thank you very much for joining us, Eddie. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> uh, no, it's, a, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, so, uh, Stan, how are you this week? Uh, been a big week. We had my grandson's first birthday. And, of course, only recently came through the adoption order and everything. So it's been a really exciting week and we're absolutely shattered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know the feeling only too well. Um, anyway, Eddie, um, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and uh, the job you have and perhaps some interests that you have? Yeah, OK, no problem at all. Um, well, OK, my name's Eddie Chester-Hossey. I... Um, for my sins, I run a battery company based up in South Shields. Um, I set it up about 22 years ago. After, after working for 12 years for other people, uh, I decided one day that uh, I wanted to become self-employed. So I, I did. Um, and I now employ 30 people. Um, and we, we basically we make specialist battery packs for industry. Okay. Um, so... That, that would be portable power as opposed to electric vehicles or that kind of right, thing. So these are not these are not your Nissan uh, batteries, this gigafactory thing that they're No, no, that that's I mean that's a shame because you know what we do is we we, we have something like three thousand different designs. So our batteries go into things like um, data loggers or, or or equipment that might uh, measure noise level or sound level or air quality or there's so many different applications and, and that was part of part of the reason I well one of the reasons I love it is because there's something new every week. If you said to me you've got to go work in a battery factory making car batteries for the rest of my life, I don't think I would enjoy that very much, you know. Um, but no, I I've been doing that for about twenty about twenty odd years now and um, I really love it, you know. I can't yeah. you know. So what did you do beforehand then? What sort of jobs did you have before you started this well I, I i did i went to i went to college in manchester did a did a hnd in electronics and then um uh it's funny because i, I my first job out of college okay i almost got a job as a technical author okay for um, one of the uh, one of the frantic companies but it took them that long to to positively vet me i, th I think they were worried about my surname you know with my <laughs> My dad being Polish, you know, they thought I might have been some kind of sleeper spy. Uh, so in the meantime, whilst I was waiting... been the best of spies not to change your name first. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, whilst I was waiting for this job to come through, I took a job in Oldham, um, which effectively got me three, three months internal sales, three months in the factory and three months on the road. And after that nine-month period, which I thought was some kind of wonderful management training scheme, I actually got made redundant, you know. Uh, so, but that gave me the kind of the realisation that the bit, the bit that I really loved was the, the, the travelling technical sales engineer part of it. And I, that's what I kind of went into. Then for the next 12 years, um, I got into sort of, uh, well, I kind of fell into it, really, sort of selling batteries. I started off selling miners' cath labs, would you believe? Oh, really? 
for a company in, in Oldham, you, you're, you're quite, uh, well, in, in, in Denton, you're, you're from Manchester, you know it well, um, called Oldham Batteries. Um, and then one thing led to another, and you know, before I knew it, 12 years had gone by, um, I'd kind of spent you know, many, many thousands of miles traveling the country, meeting different people, sorting different projects out. Uh, and, and after 12 years of that, I just decided, you know, I, w I wanted to kind of do something for myself. Uh, and at that time, my, my first daughter was uh, two years old, and I decided that I wanted to kind of be a bit closer to home. Um, and, and that's what we did. We, we actually moved it to the northeast right. um, from Manchester um, and then sort of set the business in when I was 37. So have there been some hairy moments in those years, Eddie? Or has it all been sort of fairly plain sailing, you know? Well, it's just, to be honest, when you run your own business, um, I mean, the, I've got to be honest, the first 10 years of that business, I, they were a blur, you know? I mean, we grew every year. I, you know, my, I started as a one-man band. So it went from one per person to two to three to four to five. Every year we just kept growing and growing and taking a bigger unit and a bigger thing until, until about 10 years ago we um, – actually got to the point where I managed to um, actually build our own factory. So, you know, that, that was, uh, uh, well, that was, that was exciting uh, at the time. Um, <laughs> Does that mean... but yeah, I mean, you know, I've been dead lucky because, you know, the kind of market that we're in, it's very niche. You know, the battery industry is, Everything needs batteries, you know, more and more and more. So you only have to look, say, these days. Um, I mean, even you're in schools. You know, schools have got CO2 monitors. In the old days, it would be a little PP3 battery. Now they want these monitors to talk to, a, you know, a kind of a headquarters somewhere else, you know. So therefore, you need to have a much more, uh, I mean, it's, all, it's what's called Internet of Things. Everything is being remotely controlled by something you know and we might come into yeah. ai in a bit but uh yeah. but, you, know, but you, you have a passion for a hobby don't you really that that actually you're trying to push into schools at the moment yeah okay yeah i mean chess i mean you know um chess is one of those things that when i was at school and uh, again i was in, i was at school in the late 70s um you know sort of 77 uh, onwards um, chess was kind of quite big in schools most schools played chess you know um, I then went to I, so I played it constantly from about the age of 13 to the age of 18 19 uh, and got really good at good at it you know um, and then I stopped completely stopped for the best part of 30 years and the reason I took it up again was I mentioned that I built a factory well as in that period of building the factory, I um, the final the final sort of six months of it, I, I went underwent a real amount of stress. Okay, um, I didn't realise I was going through stress because I'm one of these people that, you know, I don't believe that you can get stress. You know, I mean, I had 25 years of running a business. Stress is for doesn't exist. It does. You know, I've got to tell you. You know, and. Um, what happened was, um, in the end, I went to see a. I, I was trying. I went to see a, a, a hypnotherapist because I was having headaches and headaches and headaches, and I, I got desperate and I thought, you know, what? I'm going to, 
maybe I can get them hypnotized out. You know, they can, they can, you know, they can um, hypnotize you to kind of stop smoking. So can they hypnotize you to kind of forget that you've got headaches? So I went along to, to this, this woman and we had a couple, a couple of sessions. And one thing she said to me, and one, she made me realize that the one thing that I hadn't been doing for the last 20 odd years was doing anything for me. Everything was for the business, for the family, for the people I employed. And there's actually nothing that, that I could class as for me. Um, so we chatted about various things. And she made me realize that, um, I mean, she, she said, you know, she, I remember she said, uh, you've got to pick five things to do. So I think um, I've forgotten three of them, but I know one of them was to relearn Italian. Okay. Um, and another one was to take chess back up again. Because I'd always said, well, chess is something I take up when I retire. You know? yes. um, so, I, so I took it back up about, you know, about, uh, about 10 years ago now. Um, and then the more, I, the more I kind of got into it, the more I realized that actually a lot of the things that I learned in that period when I was at school, okay, I actually used throughout my life. And, you know, I couldn't, you know, the more and more you thought about it, the more and more you thought, well, yeah, that, that's why, you know, that's why I'm doing that. That's why I'm doing That's why I think about strategies. That's why I think about plans. That's why I don't jump into things. That's why I, you know, and, you know, so I, I then decided that um, I started to have more time on my hands. You know, I was kind of, I'm not saying I'm going to retire, but I was thinking about building the teams so that they could do more work. Yeah. And I started to do more things uh, related to um, uh, the community. And the one thing that I really enjoyed doing was playing chess. And uh, so, again, you know how your life kind of flows on, you know. I mean, I took it up to do a certain thing. Um, COVID came along, okay. Uh, and then I kind of realized, actually, um, actually, the thing that I really enjoy is teaching young children. Teaching, well, not young children especially, but people that come to you and say, can't play chess, it's too complicated. You know, and I just love proving them wrong. So <laughs> it's not complicated, you know. And and I particularly enjoy teaching young children because um, their 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 minds are like sponges. You know, they're absolutely like sponges. You know, so um, we've managed to. Uh, I run a. And I apologise if I'm talking too much. You stop me, okay? No, you carry on. <laughs> um, well, I managed to. to I got involved with a charity called Chess and Schools and Communities, okay? Um, and, I, and I sort of said to them, look, you know, I, I can get something sorted in our local library. So I've been running a, a Chess for All session for about five years in our local library on a Saturday morning. And what that did was, because we were playing in a, uh, a kind of a, a very visible environment, not kind of in some porky backstreet pub or you know, we were in the hub of the library. We got all sorts of people coming past. And I, I used to get people like um, like little children where their the parents might be the school governor, you know. And so we managed to actually get a, a local school to set up an after-school club. Okay, Because, again, I, I don't know what it's like in Manchester, but in, the, in our town, there are not many schools that actually have after-school chess clubs or right, that kind no. of thing. Um, I suspect they used to be, didn't they, Stan? Did you have chess clubs in your... I, I, was, I was, Eddie's met, reminding me of my uh, my, uh, my childhood and, and yeah, we, we had a chess club um, and 
I'm just mem- remembering as Eddie's talking there of a friend of mine who I showed him how to play chess, who within weeks was far, far better than me. And within probably a year was one of the top chess players in school. And you just think, that's not fair. That could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's what we that's what I see. And that's what we see that some of the best players are actually the young ones. You know, I mean, you know, the, the best play in the Northeast is about 14. You know, it's crazy. You know, usually it's it's a bit like me. My, my dad taught me how to play when I was about eight or nine. Before long, you can beat him, and then you don't want to play with it anymore. You know, and then <laughs> you play with the neighbours, and then before you know it, you know you just get better. And you don't. The thing about it's any anything you do. In fact, I was I was looking back. Um, our school had a bridge club. Would you believe? Yeah. Do, do, do kids play even know what bridge is now? I don't, I don't think so, do they? <laughs> um, um, well, I remember being at secondary school, Eddie, and. Uh... If ever they, because they all, all the teachers play bridge at lunchtime, and if they were short of a of a player, they'd come into the common room and just ask for somebody to come and join them. So, a, a lot of kids, uh, you know, in sort of lower sixth, learn how to play bridge through going into the staff room and being taught by the staff. And of course, you felt very privileged to be amongst the staff, you know. Um, so that was that's how I learned how to play bridge. Um, we had things as well, like a photography club, yeah, and a film club where you, the kind of films that ended up on BBC Two, you know, geographical things about the world. And but on a Thursday, you'd go into the geography room, and there'd be probably twenty or thirty. Watch some film you've no real interest in, and then <laughs> wander home or wander home later. I, I also I also remember hearing. I mean, there used to be one decent stereo system in our school in the music room, and uh, at lunchtime uh, when we were in sort of like last year of secondary school, the music teacher would come in with an out a vinyl that he bought, and he'd put it on, and we'd all sit around the the room, sort of in effect judging it, deciding on it, and that was the first time I ever heard Sergeant Peppers was in that environment where I don't think I was old enough really to really appreciate it, but there were a couple of lads in the room, students who were saying, oh, that's amazing, listen to that, listen to that. And one of them was a pianist, Sean, and he was listening to stuff way in the back, you know, the the George Martin stuff, that's what he was into. And I remember that even to this day, you know, and that's, that wasn't a proper, that was never a lesson, that was that was just stuff you, you did, you know. Um, Anyway, uh, well, we, that, that's we, the thing. we can that, chat about this till the cows come home. I know. Well, that oh, was the, the thing for me being at school. I mean, I went to a school where you learned when I, you know, I was, you know, I don't know, I did about 11 all levels, you know. Um, if I look back, I can't remember much about much of it, you know, but I can tell you who the chess teacher was and I can tell you <laughs> all the places you went to and all the things that you learned, you know, I've obviously kind of stuck in my brain. So, yeah. you know, and that's what I try to do to the kids that I, I get involved with now. I try to, you know, you try to subconsciously ask them about who the King of England is and who the Queen of England, you know, you kind of throw in a few facts as you're playing. I think, Eddie, them. that tactic is just to try and beat those kids. You know, I mean, you can throw <laughs> loads of stuff them. in. Get them some, a distraction. some algebraic equation for you to... Yeah. Anyway, let's let's you move moved on. moved on from look over there, why are moving pieces <laughs> around a bit? <laughs> yeah. 
Right, Stan, what's caught your eye this week? Well, it's it's rather depressing following all that excitement about playing chess and, and memories. Um, the, this conference that took part, uh, the um, National Conservatives, which I noticed some people have now shortened to NAT-C, which is mm. not, not a, a good way of describing mm. a conference or a group of people. Uh, but it was some of just for that some of the outrageous things that were said, and there's been no real response in in the uh, in the press. You know, so, some I don't even know who this person was, who said, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, being nationalistic if the Germans hadn't just mucked it up a couple of times. Yeah. What What are we talking about? Mucked it up. I know. Millions yeah. dead. It's just unbelievable. I think the, the only the reassuring thing for me is that you never saw how many people were in the room. No, and, but it's but it's been the, broadcasted away. The number was about got, sixty. We've got the Home Secretary there. Mm. The, the Home Secretary at, I think anybody can only describe it as a far right wing group yeah. spouting far right wing uh, ideologies, yeah. and of course then. In the midst of it all, we had a head teacher. Now, I'm not sure, but I thought it wasn't a role of head teachers yeah. to take a, a political view. You're not allowed to take a, a, a you know, a str- well, you're not allowed to take, you've got to be careful about what you say to students. I suppose the issue here, because there are teachers who stand as local councillors or even as MPs, you know, but what you're not allowed to do is to actually use your influence. You know, you've got to remain sort of balanced, a bit like a BBC reporter, isn't it? Um, yeah, I just, I just, the, the whole thing worries me. We've got a little bit of, little bit of interference there, have we? What way? I can hear something. I can hear at your end, Stan. I can. Yeah. I think it's. What? I think this is AI. <laughs> AI. System. The government's built the system. Any criticism of the government, immediately this uh, thing springs into life. We'll have to differentiate that AI from the AI in Manchester where I live, or Salford, which is just AI. AI. <laughs> okay. Right, Stan. Um, Eddie, let's move on to you. What's well, going men- on this week? I was going to say, well, mentioning AI, I mean, that, that certainly is something that's raised, raised its head on my agenda this week. Um it's one of these things that um, I started to think about a few weeks ago, and I, I think I tried to get on to get an account with them, and I couldn't, okay? But um, I was at a meeting yesterday, and it spurred me to kind of go away and try again. So I did try again, and I got an account with ChatGPT this, um, yesterday morning. And I've got to say, it's blown my mind in terms of, you know, what it does, you know? You know, you... you you ask a simple question and it can create, you know, full presentations. Um, so that, that, I think that's caught my eye this week, you know. And I, it did make me think about how, how are you going to, how schools are going to adopt it, in what way, you know, or is, it, is it good, is it bad? Um, well, it was interesting. Yeah, where, uh, I was at a conference. I, I listened to the Beatles singing Oasis songs this week, <laughs> which... <laughs> No, and doing a fine job of it as well. <laughs> but I was at. Yeah, uh, well, again, it's. Go it's, on, a lot, it's a lot going on in America, isn't it? About some of the people across there, some of the politicians across there, where they're creating fake news. 
which is all which is so realistic that you, you're not sure that it's fake yeah, you know it's, yeah but i was you know, at, i was at the announcement yesterday um where Andy Burnham, the, the mayor of Greater Manchester, announced that there was going to be a vocational qualification called the MBAC. And uh, James Eldon, uh, head teacher of one of the large secondary schools in Manchester, who's going to be a guest on here in a couple of weeks' time, uh, was presenting with Andy Burnham. And uh, he's told the story of uh, how he would try and persuade young children, not uh, students, not to study health and beauty and hairdressing, stuff like that. Until he then went to an AI seminar where they said, you know, a lot of the a lot of jobs like, you know, solicitors, you know, accountants, all of them, they're going to be taken over by AI. But the jobs that are not are going to probably be those around that care for people like hairdressers, because it's very unlikely that a robot will be able to cut your hair in the exact way that you want it. So he immediately thought, oh, I better eat those words back again, (laughs) because it's all those practical skills, isn't it? The. You know, a little bit of art, uh, some artistic element to it, or some sort of caring, touching sort of feel that's the uh, the future. So, I, I think Eddie needs just because just before we recorded, Eddie was telling us some of the things he tried with Chat GP. Come on, Eddie, what were they? <laughs> and I, well, I think well, your Shakespeare one is one. That... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I was messing about with it, and uh, I, I, you know, just kind of testing it, seeing how good it was. And... You know, asking it to write poems about batteries in the, in the style of Shakespeare. You know, I, it's just bizarre. I mean, honest to God, it was like I, it was blowing my mind. You know, I mean, as I said, we uh, I said to one of my guys, I said, you know, if I asked you to create a presentation about battery technology, uh, how long do you think it might take you? Um, and he he wasn't aware of AI; he hadn't really touched it. And he said, well, probably take me about a week. And, you know. To, to kind of gather all the information and then formulate it. And I said, well, watch this. And I just put a few words into into uh, into the AI thing, chat, chat GPT. And literally within a minute, we had three or four pages of of, of, the, of a presentation. It's one of my other guys, uh, who's a computer whiz kid, he's been using it for a few weeks now to, to write code. And like he said that, you know, it's really accurate. Um, one piece of code that would have taken him two hours to put together, the thing created within within thirty seconds. Yeah, he tested it; it worked fine. It was so that you can see there are going to be it's going to save a lot of time in some instances. But I think it's this thing about um, you know how clever is it and what's it learning from you? You know, mm. and again, I don't know whether you watch Laura Kunzberg on Sunday morning and the. There was the, the CEO of um, I think Octopus, and he said that within six weeks of using it, they'd sent they'd been using it to write emails to customers, and it saved something like two hundred and fifty people's worth of jobs. You know, mm. um, I mean, he then backed it up by saying he employed five thousand people. So you know, but you know, kind of smoothed over the fact that actually yeah. he's gonna he's gonna lose jobs, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know if you, when you lose teachers, or I don't know. You always need a teacher, aren't you? Yeah. I think the the musicians' industry are, are objecting to it quite strongly because it it would it could potentially be an end to the creativity of of writing writing new songs. Yeah, I think um, I think I saw on uh, I think Sting was 
being presented up with some uh, Ivan Novello Award today, I think. And he mentioned the fact that uh, you know, he likened it to kind of films using kind of, you know, um, CGI, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I think, you know, within a, well, it won't take long before people are that used to it that they won't think about it anymore, you know, like just amazing we've just got to embrace it though haven't we? but also i think there was this point about every country or will will have to have some sort of mechanic regulation or regulator obviously the eu would have theirs um america you know will look as though they're going to have theirs fairly quickly but uh, obviously the british regulator will you know now that we're not part of the eu we'll have to uh, have our own regulations for that so uh, anyway what what caught my eye was the Pearl, that's P-I-R-L, results on reading, which is uh, about 50 countries take these tests. And uh, I think the last one was in 2016. And um, in uh, England, we've got to be careful, it's not, in, it's not in Wales, Scotland or Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland are in it, I think. But um, uh, in England, the, we are fourth in the world, which is amazing. Um, uh, and uh, the government have connected this with the drive they've had to offer um, phonics, a particular way of teaching phonics. And um, ministers have been out there t- this week saying, oh, it's great, which is great news. You know, I'm not decrying that. But I think it's a bit of a stretch to say this is all down to phonics, you know. But obviously, they've made such a big thing about the teaching of phonics. I understand the reasons why they wanted to connect it. But I truly don't believe it's quite as clear cut as that. But so we're fourth in the world in the ladder, if you see it as a ladder, and uh, that's great. However, we are 29% of English students said that they very much like reading. The nas- Internationally, the, the proportion that said that was 42%. So we have very high reading levels, but much lower enjoyment levels. So the thing for me is... You know, it would be much, I, I do think that they probably need to be fairly close to each other. Because I think we're going to end up with kids who can read, who basically don't enjoy doing it. So are not going to do it. So, you know, we've got our little, the government obviously don't like this, uh, this discussion because we've got the, 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 the noise back again. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that's a big problem, really. Uh, and I do wish that the government wouldn't simply just jump onto the old bandwagon around, well, we introduce phonics, therefore everything in English is going to be down to phonics. Anyway. Yeah, it's a bit, the test is which, which students will, when they be 16, 17, when they pass the university, how many of them are enjoying reading as opposed to reading because the next stage of the exam is involved reading. I don't know what that noise is, but we're going to carry on because we've got yeah. virtually to the end here. Eddie, I, I can't. I've got this. I can't hear any noise. You, you're, oh, you're well, perfect. It's, it's at our end, anyway. Anyway, at the end of each of these chats, we ask our guests to identify one thing they'd like to introduce that would improve education in England. So go on, Eddie. Let's have it from you. Well, I, I, you know, I've got to tell you that from my point of view. I, I really think they should they should introduce chess as a as a uh, as a, a taught a taught subject, not just a uh, an after school club that you know that some people use as kind of cheap child minding. I, I mean, actually getting 
professional um, tutors in to, to spend, which they do do, actually they do in, um, in Teesside, they're, they're oh. quite good at Teesside, but in our neck of the woods, there's nobody, you know, it's, it's not there, you know, so, and I, I don't know what it's like in Manchester, but uh, I do think that based on what I got out of it, what I can remember of my time learning chess and playing chess from 13 to 18, you know, it's taught me so much. And I, and I, I just think that um, uh, that's what I would do, you know, if I was the leader. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. time to... let, yeah, Eddie. I know. Well, you've yeah, got your own factory. You've done that job now. That's yeah. sorted. Yeah. <laughs> On to world leadership next. No. <laughs> no I, so what would you do then? What's, uh, what, what's, is it just uh, me that gives an idea? Well, I, I, we've never been asked that question, but I, I would like, I, I think, I'm very keen on we we over test children. We give them far too many tests, and and in in primary schools now, the tests have become so important at the end of primary school that basically they're just taught the tests. So a lot of the stuff that you're talking about here, Eddie, there would be there would be some space for that sort of initiative, but that's gone because the teachers feel so wedded as if they're wedded to getting a good result in the test and that's even worse in secondary school somebody said to me um they had their child is doing their gcse's um and they have got 27 tests wow to do for their gcse's mm. 27 tests well my, mine would be that, that to link experience to the curriculum so that not only do you have to say what we're going to teach, you have to say how are the children going to experience this and have a range of ways. So it might be going to the outdoors, it might be uh, seeing a factory work, it, it might be going on a residential together. But part of learning is what you experience and that's what you remember. Those are the things that stick with you. Not, as you said before, not not the lessons that you had on maths when you were 11, but actually, the fact you went on a school trip the week after is the thing that sticks. A shout, out, a shout out for our uh, granddaughter, Hattie. She went on safari this week. Right. She went to Nosley Safari Park. To, to, it, to her, she's eight. She has been on safari. <laughs> Honestly, was the going on the coach, sitting with her friends, Seeing lions, seeing giraffes, seeing monkeys, all of this in into her in the wild. She hasn't stopped talking about it. But I think things like, you know, I mean, something I did with my kids when we were doing volume, we, we invented soap powders and we priced soap powders up by volume. And I managed to get a local soap making company to give us empty boxes. So they opened the boxes. We... We filled them with the desired amount, worked out what the volume was, what the space would be, and it was all it was all experiential. I'm sure if you ask those kids now, they'd remember doing that project. They might not remember the maths of volume and why, but but they they would remember doing what they did. Well, we're just we're getting involved, or I'm involved with a little project where um, this company of of um, Given some money um, to set up a kids' competition, and it's all to do with wind power, you know. And they've asked the kids to kind of come up with crazy ideas, okay. And then they've picked out four of these crazy ideas um, to get to go into an exhibition. So 
I got nominated um, together with another company to kind of bring one of these ideas to, to fruition. Oh, wow. And wow. this little kid's idea, who's only about nine, is to um, create, I mean, it won't work, but I mean, but he's only nine, <laughs> okay, it was to create windmills on the wing mirrors of cars, so that as it drives along, it creates power and it does things, you know, so um, anyway, the, the, the guy, the little lad's prize would be to, um, to, to go around our factory and to go around uh, another company's factory uh, and then we'll kind of produce a kind of working model of this. Oh, wow. A model of this. But we were saying that, that that little kid now, you know, will probably remember that. Yeah. In his whole, in it. And it might even spur him to kind of, we're hoping that it spurs him to go into engineering, you know, yeah. or that kind of thing, you know. So you're right, you, you need to give people experiences. He's not a million miles. I think, he's, is it Japan where there are things down the middle of the motorways? Yes. And as the cars go past, the, the wind of the car spins them round and they generate electricity to light the motorway. There you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think one of the one of the other there was four four winners, and one of them was something to do with creating a bit like that, but it was to do with creating a a, a kind of a, a, a some kind of tunnel across the motorway so turtles could cross the motorway, you know. All right. I mean, how these kids come up with their ideas? I mean, it's all <laughs> powered by a windmill, you know. And not, you know, well, the exhibition will be at our local library from September to November. Come and see it, <laughs> or I'll send you a link to it. <laughs> Can I thank you very much, Eddie, for the chat? Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, and that's probably forty minutes, and I bet it felt like four. <laughs> wow, but yeah, we'd love. Yeah, come back, come back and join us. We're, we're We've got guests until uh, the end of this year and some in early into 2024, but I'll send you another link, Eddie, and we'll, we'll yeah, get well, when, when the you year. get somebody to come up and talk about chess, you know. Um, I can tell you at the moment, in our neck of the woods, it's the fee-paying schools and the what we call the posh schools. They do that as a matter of course. Yes. It's the normal school, you know, the everyday schools. That's what I'd like to see happen. Well, on that note... Okay, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, everybody. We're, we're back uh, next week. We have another guest with us next week. And uh, yeah, enjoy your weekend and what have you. So uh, thank you once again, Eddie. Thank you. Cheerio, Thanks, everybody. Eddie. Thank you, Steve.